Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man whose favorite movie for going to get beer is Smokey and the Bandit. What's up, Dale? That's right, baby. Eastbound and down. Uh, loaded up and trucking. <laughs> That's right. What's going on, bud? How are you today? Oh, doing well. How about yourself? I am great. Oh, it's going to be good today, huh? Absolutely. What we got going on? Well, we got something special today, Donnie. We got a special episode? That's right. Special episode. It's an idea that you and I have been kicking around for a while. And uh, so we decided uh, we'd try it out, and we're going to do it as a bonus episode. So it's a little bit different from what we usually do. But... uh it's still true crime related in a sense, but so we're gonna have a an interview with a with a blood artist today. Blood artist, yeah, Ryan Almighty. He is a professional weirdo and human blood artist. Oh man! So this is gonna be a it's gonna be a ride. So put on your seatbelts. It's gonna be a little bit uh, a little more over the top than we usually are. It's definitely not an episode about you know a certain event or something, but it's uh, I think it's gonna be fun. I think it is too. So uh, I can't wait to. To get into this and uh, and hear his story, he, uh, he's a he's a fascinating guy. We'll put it that way. All right, all right. Here we go, Dale. Here is Ryan Almighty. Hello, hello, hello. What's up, man? How's it going? What is up? Good, good, awesome. good. Can't complain. Just kind of uh, holed up in the cave. You know? <laughs> That's it. Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fan fucking tastic. How about you guys? We're doing pretty great. Pretty good. Great. Try not to talk all over myself, but you know how it is. <laughs> all right, man. So uh, today we got Ryan Almighty on the show today. It's a big special occasion. We're doing a bonus show, and uh, we're glad to have you, and I appreciate you giving us some of your time today, brother. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure. How could I say no? Oh. <laughs> all right. So I'm, we'll I'm get... always down to go hang out at the crack. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to be, is it not? Well, you know, it, it's just it's so much good pussies can be found at a crack house, you know. That's and, right. and by good, I mean easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So we'll go back to the beginning. You and I met uh, at Joe Young's memorial service. That's correct, right? Right, right. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and so uh, we've been friends ever since then. So I'd like to go back. So let's go back to where how you got started in just art in general and into your uh, graphic design background and tattoos. Well, I mean, I, I got started really as, as a child because I was kind of a loner, and, and what I did to entertain myself was was draw and and paint and all of that kind of thing. And then eventually, I went on to I uh, uh, went to art school. Yes, I'm formally trained, as much as I'm almost ashamed to say it. And then, uh, and of course, while uh, 
in my formative years, I got into punk rock. And so I've done, you know, a lot of graphic art for different punk bands and that kind of thing. So that's just kind of what got the ball rolling. Oh, cool, man. So uh, you were in the punk band too, correct? Yeah. Well, years ago, I was in a band called Victor 44 in the act out. Ironically enough, uh, my buddy, um, well, his name was Francis then. Now it's uh, Sonny Harlan, who is now in the Murder Junkies, was uh, the guitar player. Okay. I didn't know that. Cool. Okay. So then you went from there to, to doing what? You just started uh, just getting into uh, true crime and that kind of stuff as your. Well, I, I had always been into that. Um, now, you know, before the age of the internet, you had to work a little harder to get the addresses, and I was pen pals with like John Wayne Gacy and Otis Tool, and a couple other unsavory characters. And actually, it was it was uh, through doing that that I actually first met Sammy Town from Fang because uh, I uh, got a hold of him while he was uh, while he was on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. So you were away true crime before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's a little too easy, and it's gotten really weird. I got to be honest. I've actually distanced myself from it because uh, the collectors are worse than the uh, the uh, convicted killers. I mean, you want to talk about a bunch of backstabbing little troublemaking bitches? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The age of the internet really, really uh, changed the uh, changed the game as far as uh, murderabilia collecting. People collect inmates like there's some kind of like playing cards and then they manipulate uh manipulate them and get a hold of them you know, oh you don't want to interact with this person who happens to be their competition because they're they're gonna exploit you and rip you off while they're exploiting and ripping them off it's it's just beyond fucked up and got to the point where i was like ah you know i got a big enough collection i'll find a few things here and there but i'm not going to interact with the circles anymore and i'm not real big on you know uh, writing the inmates anymore either so i have a quite a collection i've amassed and it's, it's i still find it all interesting but it's not really uh, much of a passion at this point okay Cool. So it seems can, like everybody out there has a, a true crime memorabilia website. Oh right, right. Well, they, you know, it's and, and let me uh, definitely stress: it's not the collect. The collectors are actually pretty cool people, um, but cha- things have really changed since the since the days of like uh, Merle Allen and Rick Station and, and people like that collecting when they had to actually go to the extra mile to find these addresses. The uh, the ones that have like the. Uh, the uh, the uh, auction houses or murder auction or any any website that that uh, has overpriced murderabilia those people are fucking nuts and they're backstabbers and they're real fucking trouble. Oh shit! So you got a pretty good collection yourself, right? Because you have like a museum. Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got uh, you know uh, some John Wayne Gacy paintings, an Ed Gein signature. That's pretty cool. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> oh, just just a ton of stuff. A bunch of Charles Manson stuff. Oh sweet. Which, yeah, um, my, my wife, uh, she was from uh, Wisconsin, so she didn't live too far from uh, Plainsfield. So that's kind of cool. Oh, so, she ever make the trip to Plainfield? That's that's quite a, that's quite an interesting thing. I, I went there once about 20 years ago, and yep. it was during a snowstorm, and we drove into town, and, uh, you know, it's a tiny-ass town. And uh, we stopped at a truck stop on the outskirts. And this was probably about, oh, maybe two or three in the morning while there's a, a snowstorm. So we asked the waitress, so can you tell us where Ed Geem's, far- Ed Geem's farmhouse was? And that was a mistake. So we, <laughs> we basically had the cops following us through town. We, we we saw the graveyard he was buried in, although we didn't go in. Uh, we saw the warden's uh, um, hardware store or what it is now. You know, it's not wardens anymore. Right. And we basically turned around and left because we, we just – sometimes you can just smell trouble. Yeah, a little too much heat in a snowstorm yeah they're, they're not proud of their most famous resident <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were pretty much at ed Gein ground zero right there oh yeah yeah and, and like i said i think i don't think the town folks uh uh appreciated their relatives being dug up and turned into lampshades and such so, <laughs> no. or the infamy that their town gained from the from the uh, mr eddie so 
Yeah, I'm sure that was a little little sideways. So, uh, so how long before you started dabbling into blood art? Is that anywhere close to here, or are we still got a story the blood to go? art? Um, I started about ten years ago, and uh, it's actually an interesting story. I think you're going to like this because it kind of fits into the whole like uh, you know kind of uh, scum punk kind of thing. Okay, cool. I was uh, dating. Um, a uh, young lady by the name of Liz Mankowski, and a lot of people know her because she was the one that found Gigi dead. She was the one that was on Jerry Springer with them. And uh, she was, uh, let's just say the relationship was tumultuous. I got you. <laughs> and we made a trip to, to New York City. Now, backtracking a little bit, um, Carrie Clayton, um, Jeff Clayton's daughter, uh, wanted me to do a baphomet for her boyfriend's drumhead. Oh, and uh, so it was kind of on the burner, you know. I was just going to hook her up, and and uh, so I'll get back to the whole thing. Uh, Lizzie and I made a, a, a vacation to New York City, where we, uh, and this was uh, more her drug of choice than mine. But uh, let's just say uh, an eight ball was consumed over the vacation, and it was one giant fight, you know, one argument after another. Right. And when I was driving back, and she was sleeping peacefully next to me. And uh, at that t- the point, I was so fucking pissed. I was like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Is like, what, you know, <laughs> no, how, well, dating somebody because they happened to, you know, be involved with Gigi Allen was about the biggest fucking mistake I ever made in my life. And, you know, <laughs> and she, at that, that point, she already moved into my house. But anyway, we're driving back, and um, I'm looking at her sleeping peacefully after it was like, I said, one constant fucking fight. And uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to paint this drum head, but I'm going to paint it in my own blood. And being I have horns and shit, I'm going to take pictures of me drawing the fucking blood out. And, you know, that's, that's going to make it interesting. And, and somehow, you know, and it just went from there. So, so as much as, you know, I just kind of shit talked Lizzie, I will say for her, she was the most, she's definitely a muse. I mean, she attaches herself, herself to creative people and there's so much turmoil that comes out of it. You can't help it to be inspired one way or another. <laughs> so I don't regret anything with her. And when I look back, I, I got to hand it to her. If, if anybody was the inspiration for that and the muse for me to start painting in human blood, it was her. So cheers, Lizzie, wherever you are. <laughs> oh, cool. So, so Carrie's, was that what the first one you did? That was the first one I did. So Carrie um, actually has the very first blood painting I ever did. Oh, awesome. All right. So then where do we go from here? Well, after that, uh, I, I actually liked the way it felt to paint with, and I started getting a little experimental with it. Um, so at that point, I started doing trying to do portraiture. And I'd seen people paint in human blood before, but it was always very simplistic at that point. Like I'd seen Sapa von Cyborg do it. And um, and then I started uh, looking into other people. At the, when I started doing, there was only about five people that were painting in blood, and that was Sampa von Cyborg, uh, Maxime Tacardi. I think I might have butchered his name. He's French, a guy from you know France. Um, Vincent Castiglia from New York City, um, and Reverend Mayer from Australia. Now all of them had different styles. Reverend Mayer uh, used an airbrush. Vincent Castiglia did like these Dali esque surreal you know paintings sampa did portraiture but it was super simple right. uh simplistic and uh, max may would do these kind of uh this is almost these illustrative dark uh occultish type imagery so i was doing straightforward portraiture which i'd already i already used to do portraits anyway in in uh oil paints and uh and i just kind of incorporated a um a watercolor style so i was doing more realistic um illustrative portraiture um and the funny thing is now there's you know you, you can't count how many blood painters painters there are and not to pat myself on the back but every single one of them nobody's done anything original since this group of people and you can see exactly who's influenced who in these blood paintings that are coming out now so yeah i see a lot of copies of stuff that you've done basically 
Oh, yeah, well, there's one story, and I don't even want to say the guy's name because I don't want to promote him, but this guy was, uh, he used to guest spot as a piercer at my shop. Um, when I moved to California, I, quote, sold my shop to him. He, he used to moderate my blood page, you know, my blood painting page, the fan page for it. And uh, this motherfucker, the minute I moved to California, uh, they made one payment on the shop, ransacked it. Um, so he completely ripped me off in that business deal. Then that insult to injury became an oddities collector slash blood painter. Wow. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> How did he ever get that idea? Oh, uh, motherfucker. Still haven't come across the guy face to face. Here's the thing, though. He's a typical, you know, like uh, he'll, he'll recite all the proper uh, politics to people he has like an instagram model wife you know he does everything right to fit into the echo chamber and he's just a manipulative fucking con man that hasn't had an original idea in his fucking life and it's really sad when i see people licking this guy's ass <laughs> yeah because it's not the music you know music industry is is full of that type of shit right yeah, body mod industry and art industry, is the, or I should say scenes, are the exact same fucking thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do we do? Let's see, that, the guy ripped you off. And, uh, so- oh, yeah, it ripped me off for like uh, over 10 grand. And oh. the funny thing is, the money isn't the part that pisses me off. I still, it rubs me the wrong way that the guy... Um, ripped off the art style and, and, uh, and then tried to take credit for it. Well, they like stabbed you in the back with your own paintbrush, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> leeches and losers, man. There, there They're everywhere. Go. There you go. So what is, uh, when you, um, let's see. So how do you go from just starting out with Carrie and then doing some stuff to doing some notable big names? Um, I, I don't know. I just started doing it. And, you know, the miracles of uh, social media and, and uh, you know, people started noticing the artwork and you know, started commissioning me for pieces. And, and since I started uh, – I got the idea where I wanted to do portraits of, of people. And of course my passion is the aged punk rock scene. And when I moved to California, I was uh, working with Sammy town at tiger's blood tattoo studio, which was his shop. And we opened up together. We opened up the museum of oddities. Well, I mean, the Bay area is where all the old punks go to die. So because I was out there and of course, uh, being that I was friends with Sammy, I had, you know, not, the, not that this is, uh, a good thing necessarily but instant credibility so i ended up uh painting a lot of punk rock you know uh aged punk rockers like i did he who cannot be named from uh the dwarves and his blood i did uh jello biafra and his blood i did uh jerry a from poison idea um the list goes on sammy town of course they did in his blood that was some scary blood to work with <laughs> I bet so. you can only imagine what kind of pathogens were lurking around in that game <laughs> oh good god so now when clayton didn't you do the joe young portrait out of clayton's blood or no i did and the way that worked out was um i went to go see them in pittsburgh and this was just a few days before joe had passed and uh, jeff has always been a a, a a uh, supporter of the artwork as a matter of fact i did uh, quite a bit of illustrating illustrations and and a lot of the albums and a bunch of t-shirts and stuff for him right and um he liked the blood painting so we were going to do an anti-scene blood painting so at the 31st street pub in pittsburgh i took his blood in the back room and actually took carrie's the same weekend so i did a, a painting with her blood too and um and then i got that call from jeff a couple days later he's like hey man and he gave me the news about joe and then he asked if I would paint Joe's portrait rather than uh, than just doing an anti-scene painting. And then I did, of course. And as a matter of fact, you were at the memorial. It was on display with his uh, with his ashes and yeah. uh, his shoes and guitar and all that. Yeah, man, that, that portrait is amazing. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> funny, funny fact with that portrait. When I did Jello's portrait, and I respect Jello, love the guy to death, but let's not let's just say he's not the most. Let's just say he has a way of being difficult about things. <laughs> Okay. So uh, he said to me, uh, he's like, I want my portrait to be noble, like Joe Young's portrait was. Well, Joe- I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. So I did a portrait of him, and, you know, the way Joe is standing, he's he's kind of, uh, um, well, no, the first portrait I did of Jello was uh, somebody did a photo shoot of him just hanging out in a garden, and he wasn't playing it up doing the whole Jello Biafra shtick. I was like, well, I'm going to do a, a portrait and make him a little more human than, you know, people see see, like, the real side of him. Um, or at least the uh, the calmer side of him. <laughs> and he didn't like that one. He said to me, I don't like it. I look like a bitter old man. And I was like, well, Jello. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so then uh, that's when he started stressing me. I want it to be noble like Joe Young's was. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Jello, we'll, 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 we'll do that. And so I did a portrait of him, and there's one where he has like this black trench coat on and these mirrored sunglasses, and he's, he's leaning back. and almost looks like a propaganda poster, but he has a noble look. So I did that one, and uh, Jello responded, "No, no, no! Yeah, I have sunglasses on, and you exp- you uh, you capture people in their eyes. That's the best part of your paintings are the eyes." Needless to say, I still have some of Jello's blood. It's still, I'm still <laughs> meaning to do that third portrait of him, but you know, still, maybe one day. You're but. still waiting there. <laughs> right. But like I said, I'm, I'm I'm kind of poking fun at him. But I got to be honest, very few people have I ever been starstruck when I when I met them. And I got I can't lie, when I met Jello, I was now I got over it real quick. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, it was it was pretty surreal to to meet somebody that was so influential to you when you were a high school kid right, yeah. in a small town. I mean, I never thought in a million years I'd be sitting around having conversations and hanging out with a guy. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, so, so, when, so cheers to you, Jell. I'm sure if he hears this, he's going to be pissed because I know he hates when people imitate his voice. <laughs> well, you nailed <laughs> but, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, that was awesome. So uh, after this, did, is this when you get into doing all serial killer portraits and uh, like uh, Edgar Allan Poe and just uh, well, no, that, that, that all came. Came that, I was doing serial killers before I was doing oh. the punk rock um, folks. Okay, I kind of started out doing serial killers because of being a collector, and I always found them fascinating. They always make for a good portrait. And then the Edgar Allan Poe stuff came later. Um, there, and there's an interesting story that comes with that, too. Uh, but anyway, I did the Edgar Allan Poe stuff, and then um, after the Edgar Allan Poe stuff came the Charles Manson stuff where I got some of his ashes and, and put them in the paintings, too. And um, what had happened was I did a, a painting in the Edgar Allan Poe Museum in uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, wanted to use it for a show, and then it got such a good response. They now have it on permanent display. So if you go to the Edgar Allan Poe Museum in in Richmond, Virginia, you'll you'll see that. So uh, my girl, I had a girlfriend that was a travel nurse, and we were in Baltimore, and that's where Poe lived. And there's also there's the Poe House there, which is a different museum. So I approached them because they had known that I had a a painting in the Richmond museum and i uh did a painting for them which they displayed for a while now during all this time the the manson stuff was taken off and it was making like tmz was doing stories in newsweek well the board of directors at uh the poe house decided that my blood painting and i i'm fairly certain that it's because of the manson uh, connection decided it was distasteful and they they uh pulled it down so i had now have that so if anybody wants the poe painting that was in the, the poe house in baltimore that is up for sale now right, but cool. the one in richmond's still there somehow I, I guess they didn't uh think manson was distasteful and it blew my mind because i mean edgar Allan poe was a morbid twisted fuck you would have thought he would appreciated the whole manson thing if you know yeah, sure. you were able to watch from the other side <laughs> who knows 
Oh, yeah, for sure. So you and Manson really have a, a history. You kind of go back a long way. Really, it didn't just start with this ashes thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Before I did the uh, the paintings, years and years ago, um, I decided to uh, write Manson. And this was during the time when you could sell that kind of thing on eBay. And I got the bright idea. It's like, man, if I can work out a deal with Charlie, I could be selling his autographs on eBay, you know, sending him half the money, and we could both be making you know quite a chunk of money. If you can literally just sign your name, and that's a hundred bucks right there. That's a that's a pretty uh, steady source of income. Yeah, sure. But the clincher is because of the son of Sam laws, you can't. Uh, you, technically, it's illegal for the inmates to profit from their infamy. So I sent him a letter. And I didn't actually talk about it, but I just wrote him a letter trying to introduce myself. And I did a quick illustration of him, and I sent it to him. Well, a couple weeks later, I get a collect phone call from Charlie. And uh, then he and I started talking. We talked quite a few times. I never did get him to start sending me autographs at the time because let's just say Charlie was a complex individual. So trying to say it without actually saying it hey send me these autographs. We'll make some money. Proved to be quite a daunting task. And... uh, (laughs) And, uh, and it never really happened that way, but I was fortunate enough to get to talk to him and, and man, uh, you know, I've never met crazier people other than maybe Gigi fans that are, uh, than, than Charles Manson devotees. Right. And that's not, not all of them, just certain ones. Same thing with Gigi fans. But I mean, uh, but God damn, did the crazies come out of the woodwork when, when I started doing those, those illustrations or those paintings with his ashes involved. Yeah, I remember when that news first dropped, uh, you had a field day on Facebook with some of that stuff. Well, my God, I mean, first off, people started trying to uh, question and accuse me of using fake ashes. Now, I may be a lot of things. I I like to piss people off. I like to provoke, but I ain't no fucking fraud. I'm not going to fake something like that. I I wouldn't stake my reputation uh, on something and, and fake it. And uh, they knew where I got the ashes. The guy was at the funeral. But uh, unfortunately, the guy who I originally got him from was a fellow by the name of Tony Miller. Now, he ended up, uh, it happened, I was in a chat room, and it was right after Charlie died, and I was talking about doing blood paintings, and I approached Jason Freeman, who's uh, who's Manson's grandson, about getting his blood so I could have Manson DNA in the paintings. At that point, I didn't even realize ashes existed because I thought they were all spread after the funeral. Well, somebody spoke up when I was discussing this in one of these just like live feeds that, hey, I got some of the ashes and uh, and I, maybe I could help you. So um, I private messaged him, messaged him and got in touch. And the story with Tony Miller was he attached himself to Jason Freeman. And because uh, he was getting him weed and stuff, he uh, got to go to the funeral. Now, when they're spreading the ashes, they were letting everybody reach in and spread it, spread them. So he grabbed a handful and put them in his pocket. So let's just say a lot of the Manson devotees didn't really appreciate the way that he ended up with the ashes. Right. So there were a lot of people that were really hating on me for that. It's like, I didn't know that. I just wanted those ashes to do a painting, and I wanted to do a painting of a friend that was going to create a relic. You know, for years when everybody involved with Manson was gone, people could look at that and know there's a piece of him in it. And that was my motivation with it. So it turned very controversial. Then people started trying to uh, twist it into uh, that he sent me fake ashes and this and that. It's like, do some fucking reasoning. His payment for the uh, him contributing was the first painting. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't me paying him money, so why he would give me fake ashes so he could have a painting with fake ashes makes no fucking sense. Right. But anyway, um, skipping forward, uh, Jason Freeman and a guy by the name of John Michael Jones and I um, are mutual friends. And John Michael Jones was Manson's confidant for many, many years. Um, very close to Manson. Probably closer to family to him than, than his actual family. He was the one that, that found uh, his grandson for him so they could interact. So anyway, um, 
as it turned out, Jason Freeman, when he found out that I actually was doing the, this project, got a bright idea. It's like, okay, well, let's make it a deal with them. And at that time, they were shooting a documentary. Um, Buddy Buddy Day was shooting a documentary, and it was called uh, it was called Bloodlines at the time, and it was about uh, Jason Freeman, the grandson, and and uh, and Charlie dying and all of that. And they uh, struck up an agreement that if I were, I would allow myself to be filmed for the documentary and uh tattoo jason with uh some of uh his grandfather's ashes mixed in the ink that they would exchange tony miller's ashes so there was no more question and um and basically endorse the project and i was like great that sounds like an awesome deal because you know really i don't want there to be elements of doubt that goes with this i considered a you know one of my more important projects yeah So I get filmed for this documentary. They come all the way to to my home, and I noticed when I was being interviewed, they were much more interested in things like, oh, so you painted Jeffrey Dahmer, too, and what do you think of Charlie's swastika on his forehead? I guess got the feeling there was something more to this documentary, and they were letting on, and it wasn't quite the picture that was being painted. Now, I did the interview, and uh, they filmed me talking uh, directly with Jason Freeman in my office with the painting and this and that. Well, let's just say Jason and and uh, broke all his agreements. He didn't exchange the ashes. Um, he didn't donate blood. And uh, basically, they got a free interview out of me where it was obviously there was obvious ulterior motives. Now, JJ, um, who is uh, one of the most honorable people I've ever known, the mutual friend. Um, when he found out that I got screwed, he actually exchanged the ashes. Now, he sits on those ashes. You know, he, Charlie was like family to him. He didn't want people selling them or exploiting them. Being that he knew me, he knew what my intentions were and the fact that uh, that when I die, I'd be more than happy for people to paint using my remains. And, you know, so it was, I wasn't doing something that was, was meant to be um, disrespectful to Charlie. It was, and as a matter of fact, from my perspective, it's the highest form of respect. So, you know, he, he didn't want to see me get screwed and at that point, people were starting all kinds of rumors about uh, Tony Miller sending me ashes from a barbecue pit, you know, um, which which that's, that was moronic. I collect human remains. I have a museum. I know what, you know, human ash looks There's like. There's a big difference, yeah. Right. So anyway, um, and also uh, Tony Miller, as it turned out, he's now doing life in prison because it turned out he was a serial rapist on top of it. So that added a little bit of a nasty uh, taste to the, the whole having the Tony Miller involvement. Wow. Um, and also, uh, uh, cutting back, I'd cut ties to Tony Miller because he originally uh, contacted TMZ and then he started spewing this bullshit that the first painting was going to be auctioned off and, and donated. The money was going to be donated to a victim's fund for Stephen parent. It's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Charlie was a friend of mine. I always thought he got railroaded going, uh, public and saying that I'm donating these to, uh, donating the, the proceeds to a victim's fund is hugely inappropriate and nothing but virtue signaling when he wasn't going to do that anyway. Right. So basically my name started getting associated with bullshit and that went from TMZ to Newsweek and all this bullshit was constantly getting spewed. But anyway, going back to, to the, uh, the whole thing is, uh, um, JJ exchanged the ashes upon agreement. And the funny thing is when I sent him the ashes that Tony, uh, Miller sent, but let's just say there were certain things about those ashes that made them stand out. They, when they, um, cremated Charlie, they, uh, there's a lot of, they cremated him in a wooden box and people had put in a lot of little like personal effects in the coffin with them. So there were these black chunks that were in the, uh, the ash that you usually don't see in, in cremains. Well, um, when uh, JJ got the ashes that I had gotten from Tony Miller, he compared them anyway. Said, "Well, they're legit anyway." But you know, 
But it was nice of him that he stood up, uh, knowing I was going to go forth with the project, which he had apprehensions about. But he supported me because we were friends. And I think now he understands where I'm coming from and is cool with it. As a matter of fact, TMZ did a story I did. Uh, I honored uh, the agreement I was going to tattoo uh, Jason Freeman, the grandson, with the ashes. And I ended up tattooing JJ with the ashes, a big portrait of uh, of Charlie Manson. And there's a story of that in TMZ, too, if you look it up. Oh, cool. Uh, but it, which they were, of course, disrespectful, calling him a psycho fanboy and all kinds of stupid shit. But, you know, TMZ will be TMZ. Oh, yeah, for sure. So anyway, that's a whole story. Mm. And there's also, I, I did a whole blog on uh, called, So You Want to Know Where How I Got Charlie's Ashes? Because let's just say it's a long, twisted story. They could write a whole fucking book just on these ashes. Um so I mean, there's there's more detail and talking more about the haters and stuff. And you'd seen the 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 uh, podcast or the blogs, the video blogs that I did, you know, responding to some of the shit. But yeah, it turned into a giant source of drama. But you know, I drew attention to the artwork, and so far I've done five of the paintings. They're all in very reputable places. The first one, uh, Tony Miller, uh, on my. Uh, um, recommendation sold it to uh, Zach Baggins, um, and it resides in the Honda Museum in Vegas. So they have the first one. Um, the, the Museum of the Strange in Tombstone, Arizona, has one. Steve Truitt has one on display. Um, Gordon, Captain Gordon Straub at uh, at uh, Time Bomb or uh, Time Bomb Tattoos and Piercings and Oddities shop has one on display, and he has a world class collection. So I mean, all the, all of them have been put in places where people can actually go and see them. And hopefully they keep being passed on where they're on display because it's one of those things when everybody involved with Charlie's gone, and obviously Charlie's been gone for a while, people are going to remember the guy. You know, good or bad, he's a Rasputin, Aleister Crowley-type character that's not going to be forgotten. So people can actually go and look at a piece of art, which uh, ended up being done in my blood. Oh, yeah, also J.J. donated blood, so J.J.'s blood is in the last uh, few of the uh, the paintings that I did. So uh, there's a part of uh, JJ in those paintings. There's a part of myself in those paintings. And then there's, of course, Charlie's ashes in there. So people can look in that, and it's a real piece of human beings that they're, uh, well, at least Charlie, that they're fascinated with. So they can look at, at a piece of him and really put it in perspective that, man, this guy was real, and I'm looking at a part of him right now. Right, because you never did it for money, right? It was just uh, something you really wanted to do. No, I mean, I, I got no problem with money, but that's not a motivator. I mean, the, the proof of that is I don't play the game. If somebody does something shady to me, I don't care what their status is. I'll publicly say, fuck them, and I don't care if I'm burning a bridge or not. My main priority is to create something that uh, outlasts me when I'm gone that people can look at. Money is incidental, but money is nice. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not opposed to uh, to making cash off doing artwork because that's how I, I do make a living, and I, I, I like to eat. I'm a fat guy I want some i want some dinner <laughs> god damn it so yeah i don't have a problem with making money but what i have a problem with is people compromising their soul their artwork and their integrity to make money if you if you can stay true to yourself and make cash more power to you if you got to lick somebody's ass or uh sell out to uh to uh pander to some group or uh, or um just compromise your integrity in general it's it's just not worth doing in my opinion Right, right. And you got a lot of notoriety, like from TMZ, Rolling Stone, even Ripley's got involved, didn't he? Yeah, Ripley's did an <clears throat> a, 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 uh, article. I've been really trying hard. My buddy George the Giant has one of the uh, has one of the Ripley cartoons done about him. And if you get a Ripley cartoon done about you, you get a uh, pass where you can go to any Ripley's anytime you want and get in for free. And I've always been a fan of, of Robert Ripley anyway. In fact, I consider him as, as one of my influences as far as my collecting goes. So I really want them to do a... a, a, a a panel on me and what the fuck else do i have to do i look like i've, I've changed myself to look like a fucking demon and i paint in human fucking blood 
including Charlie Manson's ashes in those paintings. Make a fucking cartoon, Ripley. I deserve to be in your goddamn museum. That's right. I'll take it there. <laughs> you even painted Ripley, right? <laughs> Yeah, Robert Ripley uh, was one of my early ones, uh, early paintings. I painted him and uh, and P.T. Barnum, both of which used to hang over my museum doors. Now, I still have the Ripley one, but uh, Gordon um, from uh, Time Bomb, Tattoos and Curiosities in Frederick, Maryland, got my P.T. Barnum out of me. Mm. How could I say <laughs> no, though? He, he traded me a, a deformed fetus. You know, I, I couldn't say no to a baby, so. Well, what more could you need? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so now it brings me to how did you and... And Rick Fisher of Sick Rick Mass get into this uh, collaboration. Well, Rick and I have been friends for quite a while. I mean, uh, I first noticed Rick when I went to a Murder, Joke, uh, Murder Junkies show in uh, Cleveland, and I saw his his original Gigi mask that he did. I was like, that's fucking cool. Right. So I eventually found him on Facebook, and he and I became friends. And he only lives about uh, uh, two and a half hours away from me. So I got a hold of him. And I was like, hey, man, can I come in and check out your studio? I mean, I'm really interested in what you're doing. And we hit it off. And I don't actually drink all that much, but he always gets me out on the town drinking and shit. So we always have a good time. And uh, when all this Manson stuff happened, I went out to visit him. And we just started you know, brainstorming. It's like, hey, what do you think? Because he already had done a Manson mask. Yeah. And Some he, really uh, cool ones, yeah. And he offered to do a mass, uh, Manson tribute mask where he painted it to look like my blood paintings. And um, and he did a prototype where he got one and I got one. And we put some of the ash in each of the eyes of both of them. And we came up with a decision. It's like, look, man, I'll sacrifice some of this ash. Let's do a run of 10 so people can get these. So we did a run of 10. And there's actually, I mean, if people are looking to get... Uh, um, one of these masks with Charlie's ashes in the eye. They come with a, uh, a certificate of authenticity with my blood thumb print, uh, a, a print of the original blood painting. And uh, I think he's only charging 800 bucks for him, which is cheap because it's a lot cheaper than what those paintings go for. Right. So if you want a little piece of Charlie, uh, contact, contact Sick Rick Fisher. You know, Just look up Sick Rick online. There's still, I think, three of the, out of the ten that we did left. So there's a couple of them if people want to get a hold of one that it's still uh it's still possible oh wow cool yeah we'll uh link up all this stuff on our uh show notes and stuff your your pages and his pages and stuff like that so uh so what, what are you doing now Just- now i'm basically sitting in quarantine doing a hell of a, hell of a lot of nothing <laughs> i've been doing this podcast called uh hanging out of the box which has been really fun i don't know if you've li- uh, watched any of the episodes but it's myself uh, a guy named uh Mike, I'm going to butcher his last name. He goes by the name of Ocho. He's an actor. He's in a movie called uh, John Light on uh, on Amazon Prime, one called uh, El Coyote that you can get from pay-per-view. A uh, really cool guy. He was a uh, he, he was a gangster, and he has, like, a, I don't know if he was MS-13, but he has all the, the uh, facial tattoos and stuff. And the guy got sober, uh, basically found God, and this Republican tattooed face uh, <laughs> uh, actor. Um, so he's one of the panel. The other guy is a guy named Blast Zone Mike, who's I don't know how to describe him other than super fan regular guy. He's so regular that it makes it fucking awesome. There's no pretense with this guy whatsoever. And he's the one that put the show together. Um, another guy, uh, Jonathan, who was the uh, who was the uh, kid in Sleepaway Camp. He was the teenage boy, so he's a lot of fun. He has oh, a you know everybody loves Sleepaway Camp oh, you yeah, know, because of that ending. Um, <laughs> Kiki um, Navarro, who is a uh, uh, psychic tarot reader, and anyway, Kiki's a independent, definitely more uh, more of a Democrat. Jonathan is a Democrat with Trump derangement syndrome. Mike is a Republican, as well as uh, Ocho is. I'm a centrist. I'll pick out good and bad, and I'll throw them out. I'll, I'll antagonize both sides. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, the, the nice thing about this podcast and what makes it more interesting is it's not partisan. It's actually people that completely disagree on things. And we'll get in very heated discussions about this shit, especially Jonathan, who really has severe Trump derangement syndrome. And we'll go at it, not agree on anything. But at the end, we walk away loving each other. We have each other's back. And very, not very often do you see people with differing opinions that can actually get along. And that's the one thing that, that I think is really good about this show. And it doesn't really matter what the subject of the week is. The fact that in the end we can get along, talk politics, and not hate each other in the end, people really need to take a fucking lesson from. Because now of any time, you know, people need to... They don't have to like each other, but they need to fucking cooperate. It's not a political issue. You know, get through this fucking ep- economic crash and this, uh, this. Uh, well, I think it's a lot of fear-mongering, the, the whole COVID-19 uh, isolation thing. Um, we, we need to get through this, and it's really not the time for the, the political fucking fights all the time. Yeah, it's basically the unfriend me now generation. Just unfriend me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I can't talk oh, to yeah, you. Yeah. Agree with me or delete me. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you probably noticed from my uh, Facebook, I like actual diversity. So I have people with, of all philosophies on there. And uh, living in California, I definitely learned what it was like to be amongst the liberals. So uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the thing is, I lose a lot of the uh, the left wingers though because they have that philosophy of uh, you better agree with me or uh, I'm just going to delete you. They want an echo chamber. They don't want to hear people. They definitely, for the most part, don't want to actually debate a subject. Well, because their their philosophy nine times out of ten is based on emotion, whereas the uh, conservatives is based based on logic. So the yeah the conservatives aren't quite as nice and up with people kind of uh, don't have that kind of philosophy. They're a little more abrasive, but the uh, the left wingers believe what they believe, and they hate anybody that doesn't. And when it comes down to it, the fact that they generally—and I'm generalizing, of course—the fact that they dislike um, basically every single. Not only do they dislike Trump, they hate everybody that voted for him. They have a bigger hate toll than the fucking Klan does. You know, they hate more people than hate groups hate, yeah, and they do it in the name of self righteousness. And I can't help but to 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 notice that and uh, uh just recently i mean if you follow my recent post I'll, I'll post something asking a question and they'll get on there and you know people that i thought were friends in the real world will tell me i'm retarded tell me i'm stupid start insulting me and i mean i'm willing to mix it up and debate with them they usually don't like the results but and that ends up with them coming out attacking you know, trying to school everybody on the way they think. When you don't agree with them, they get super insulted, start insulting, you know, insulting you and throwing out, you know, doing name calling and all that. And then they end up playing victim and blocking you. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, dynamic. And, and I, I can't lie. I always thought of myself as a uh, centrist. I mean, I'm libertarian more than anything else. Right. Um, also, I'm starting my own podcast, the uh, the Lice Podcast, which is low income celebrity entertainment, which is just going to be a one on one kind of uh, podcast where I'll talk to. The first uh, episode is going to have Jeff Clayton on it because he's you know an old friend. And we have a good rapport, so I'm sure it will be a good conversation. Yeah, uh, Hammerlock already agreed to be on it, as well as a few others. So I'm going to do that. And I've done a few video projects over the years, so it'll be nice. And it's kind of a fun thing to do. While we're all kind of on lockdown i mean there ain't no live shows you can't even go to the fucking movies podcasts and the internet is how we're going to be entertained and and uh interact for here for uh at least another little while so yeah i'm excited to hear your show i think it's gonna be really good especially with get clayton on there get you rolling and after that you're on too you'll be wide open right you were cutting out on me a little bit so i didn't hear all that but i said i was just excited for your uh, show to get started once you have clayton on there to get you rolling you should be running wide open 
Oh, yeah, undoubtedly going to be good for uh, Clayton because, I mean, the guy is just super charismatic. Um, he's a great storyteller. I mean, the guy, had he not been a, he turned into a punk rock, southern fried uh, icon, he could have definitely been a public speaker. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Those uh, Facebook Live shows he's been doing on the history of anti-scene are been really, really good. He, he has the timing of a stand-up comic and what i mean by that is when he tells a story it flows properly and i dabbled in trying to do a little bit of stand-up and that's fucking hard man i it's not hard to come up with funny content it's hard to deliver it and make it funny to the audience hearing it um and, and the same with any kind of public speaking i mean he really is talented on that i don't know how many people have praised him but um i was noticing the other day when the it was the uh, sixth anniversary of of joe young passing i listened to the radio show that we put out and it had clips of the eulogy um and uh when uh when jeff was speaking for joe young at that eulogy man it'll bring you to tears and it, it just as it, obviously he was emotionally distraught and just but he still delivered and it was it, it's, it's it's an amazing very moving thing to listen to and it's obviously genuine but it also flows well i mean a lot of people myself included you'll kind of stammer and stumble when you have something to say when you're speaking to a, a crowd he's completely comfortable doing it and and it shows yeah that's for sure that's for sure all right man so i guess once we, we're getting ready to wind down anything else you want to add anything you want to push besides your uh, the new life show of course um, no, you, I assume you're going to link my uh, web page to it, yep. um, humanbloodpainter.com. And if people want to commission blood art, uh, please get in touch with me. Um, also, uh, give give uh, one of the podcasts I'm involved with a listen if you have some free time. And we all have a lot of fucking free time lately. Uh, yeah, that's right. for sure. Well, I'll tell you, man. You know, I was I was truly impressed when Kiss donated their blood to make a comic book. But I mean, you are you are. <laughs> Blowing it out the top with your work. <laughs> that Kiss comic book, they each donated like a drop. Yeah, and, I mean, and also, also, it might have really happened, or it might have just been a gimmick that they said happened. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we we don't know for sure, but I, I'll tell you, whatever. I was I was impressed with that, you know, back when that happened. Oh yeah, but, I was I was a huge Kiss fan. Oh back yeah, in the day. oh yeah, me and Dale both were. Yeah, oh, yeah. And but, that may have that may have been in, in the back of my mind and in my psyche that that influenced me wanting to paint in it. But I mean, another thing that obviously had something to do with it was uh i mean the, the wrestling thing juicing uh jeff clayton juicing on stage uh when i had my band i would do that so i learned to use blood and performance art and i always really kind of liked it you know i've always and it's gotten to the point now fake blood just doesn't do it for me it has to be real fucking blood oh yeah yeah and uh so I think things it's funny how things just kind of come into play and uh, the dominoes fall and sometimes it inspires and this time it did. And, I, and I'm very thankful of anybody that takes notice of the blood painting because it's definitely become something that I've been passionate about. And it, it's what I'm going to what my opinion I'm going to leave behind. I don't have any kids. So what's going to be here when I'm, you know, no, nothing but a memory is going to be those paintings. So. All right, Don. You got anything to add? No, I just I just want to say you know, I think it's very the the work is awesome. The colors, the the contrast in the colors, man. It's just it just blows me away when I when I every time well, I look at it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I was a portrait artist and a tattooist that specialized in portraits before I started using blood, and. Um, and yeah, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it, and I appreciate anybody mm -hmm. that, that notices, comments on a and you know, 
and likes the artwork. Yeah, it's kind of funny when we were talking about it. Some, uh, some of my friends were like, oh, they, had, they kind of didn't get it. But my daughter, Raven, she is a huge fan. And she absolutely loves the Joe Young portrait because she was a big Joe Young. She's an anti-scene fan. She actually had an anti-scene birthday for her eighth birthday party. So, Oh, my God. I, did you post a, a, a Was there a cake or something? Or am yes. I thinking of it? Yeah, there's a black cake. It actually had uh, sugar barbed wire and blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. That definitely brought a big smile to my face. It came up The things that come up in your Facebook feed. <laughs> Yeah, so that was pretty cool. So she's a big fan as well, so I thought I'd throw it out there. But your daughter must be awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, man. Uh, I will uh, I will holler at you when we get off here. I'm going to talk to you about uh, Joe Young. Uh, Absolutely. I'll, I'll be here. Okay. And, uh, man, we really appreciate you, everybody. I want you to know that the other day it was uh, Ryan Almighty, professional weirdo, human blood artist, and just uh, just a killer guy. Absolutely, and we appreciate well, you having you. us. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Always, I always love uh, getting a chance to uh, hear my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> and we will, we will link up all your uh, website and your all your social media stuff to our our show notes and social media. I, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, right. brother. Take care. Yeah, have a good one. Bye bye. Right, bye bye. Hurry into Ram Power Days and experience the raw power of the Ram 3500 with available best-in-class torque and towing among 350-3500 pickups when properly equipped. Strap yourself in for one powerful ride in the Ram TRX with the most horsepower of any gas pickup ever built. Or the Ram 1500, awarded number one in driver appeal among light-duty pickups by J.D. Power three years in a row. Hurry into Ram Power Days going on now. For J.D. Power 2022 U.S. award information, visit jdpower.com awards. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.